Hello everyone and welcome back to Rumor Flies. This is uh, Greg doing an unusual introduction for once, so uh, breaking the mold over here. So we're uh, doing a very special in-between season episode. Once again, we're joined with Matt Fenneman of the NOLA Nerdcast, based here out in New Orleans. So uh, say hi, Matt. Hello, everybody. It hey. is me, Matthew, from the NOLA Nerdcast. <laughs> hi, Matt. Hey, Matt. Hello there. And as usual, we're joined with uh, Josh and Ryan. Hello. What's up? Hello. Great. So, um... Yeah, a little quick introduction for y'all. Uh, Nolan Nerdcast has actually been... Uh, how long y'all been running now? Because, God, y'all have so many episodes. Um, y'all been... The, we the started our very first episode debuted with the DC New 52. Because we were like, what better time to just jump into comics and start talking about them? So, since September 2011? Oh, man. Now you got Rebirth to cover, too, after that. Oh, yeah. We're, oh, all, wow. we're all jumping on Rebirth. Uh, but, yeah. So, it's been quite a while. We're one of the, we are, for New Orleans, we are one of the first. Yeah, we're little babies. You guys are like our yeah. our, our big brothers, or are they pod dads now? <laughs> pod dads. Oh, I'll be your pod daddy. <laughs> your pod daddy. We'll be pod dads. There we go. I like that. Pod dads. But yeah, basically, um, <clears throat> it's it's kind of this, it's a little free form, but basically every week y'all kind of go into it, right? And you, whether it's comics, video games, movies, Really, anything's not really off limits. Um, nope, as long as it falls in the nerd category, we'll cover it. As long as you would have gotten beat up in high school for liking it. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, yeah. Wouldn't it be great to grow up now as a kid, just because everything that you had to hide that you loved growing up is now what everyone loves? Yeah, Feel- I would go with that. I, yeah. Yeah, because, you know, back in the day you had, like, the jocks who were, like, the cool kids, and now, like, that's not necessarily the thing. Like, you got – it's pretty normal for, you know, athletes to be in band as well. Like, that that wasn't around, you know, Also, now 10, 15 you, now you get made fun of if you didn't go see the new superhero movie. Like, what do you mean <laughs> you didn't true. go see Civil War, <laughs> nerd? That's true. That's a good point. Yeah. And – um. So they're also based here in New Orleans as well. So it's uh, fun to actually have another podcaster here with us in the in the studio. Just in case the Nola part of the name didn't, you know, tip you off on that one. Yeah. <laughs> For you international listeners, Nola means New Orleans, Louisiana. So, boom. So basically, Matt's here with us today. Um, you know, as our in between seasons go, we kind of like to stick to rumor flies type things, but it's also a good opportunity to break the mold. We don't we, like doing research during our off time. We don't do <laughs> shit. And I don't even know what research is. So, <laughs> so we, um, we uh, basically decided that a, a good cross-section would be fan theories. Uh, that's kind of the theme here. So it's kind of our loose concept. We're going to be looking at a few fun fan theories from games and TV shows and stuff like that. And uh, discussing, debating, and talking about some of the... Uh, more morbid ones out there like rumor flies has this as y'all know we have this trend of accidentally backsliding into death in the macabre like oh, we tend to do worse <laughs> we just we was like oh let's do drugs oh here's some death tolls like oh we're talking about alcohol here's some death tolls here's this food. one's undoubtedly gonna slide into it as well but you know it's gonna be fun because you know we didn't like i said we didn't have to do research or anything like that but at the same rate this is gonna be i don't know it's going to be refreshing to me. Like it's it's going to be nice. Yeah, I agree. It's 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 really I want to say off the cuff. It's it's a lot more freeform, a lot more relaxed, and you know we've we've done stuff you know like like outside, but and this is the first time in a while that we have not had to do a disclaimer. That's also very true. We don't have to worry about that. That's a good point. <laughs> so um yeah, I guess uh, without further ado, let's uh, let's jump into it, huh? Yeah. Yep. So what you got, Greg? So um, 
Yeah, so first off, uh, we have the Ed, Ed, and Eddie theory. So this one's actually pretty extensive with a lot of descriptions, and I could sit here and parrot it all for you, but um, I Wait, guess we will have shown it. Real question, for, real quick, what's Ed, Ed, and Eddie? Yeah, I was going to say, let people know what Ed, Ed, and Eddie is. That is a very good point. Let me back up again. Thank you, Matt. Oh, like, you're on the is same wavelength. Edward, Edward, and Eddie. Is that, is that like a lesser good Doug? <laughs> also known as the king of Nicktoons? No, it's actually the precursor to uh, Trailer Park Boys. Actually, wasn't Ed, Ed, and Eddie a Cartoon Network? Yeah. Yes, it was. <clears throat> so anyway, all right. So Ed, Ed, and Eddie was uh, popular in the uh, mid-90s, late-90s. <clears throat> late-90s. Late yeah, 90s, and, yeah. And, um, Early 2000s, I think. Yeah, say so somewhere in there when we were basically in middle school. Um, it was a cartoon on Cartoon Network with three guys, Ed, Ed, and Eddie, and they basically lived in the, the cul-de-sac. They just called it the cul-de-sac, and you never saw parents. It was this kind of very strange environment where you see a bunch of kids who are hanging out and getting into mishaps, and... Um, there's kind of these weird time pieces to each one of them. Like if you look at them, a lot of them maybe look a lot of place, but the most iconic thing is that you never see their parents. They refer to parents. They refer to siblings, but it's only the same shadows of the parents or something like that. I don't even know if you get that. Yeah. I I don't ever remember seeing the parents like in any. Oh no, there was an episode where you thought it was a shadow of a parent, but it was somebody impersonating one of their parents. Yeah. And it's not, it's not like. Charlie Brown, where you saw the feet. Yeah, or or like you hear the wah, 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 yeah. wah. The oldest yeah. person and you get is... Uh, Eddie's older brother. Yeah, Eddie's older brother. That yeah. was a big reveal. Yeah, so I think he does exist. But other than that, you really don't see anyone else. And so the big theory is that... And some people might have debunked it, they might have not, whatever, but it was kind of this funny argument that people say every one of these kids actually lives in some sort of weird purgatory because they're all from different points over like a hundred year period and they're actually all dead. So <laughs> <laughs> so it's the end of Lost? Yeah, so you, I'm not going to go through every single Spoilers. one of them. But, oh, you have, um, but you have characters like Rolf. Rolf's this kid who has like a small farm. I mean, he's, he's like, the kid can't be more than 10, 10 to 12 years old. He has a cow, he has chickens. He's like taking care of this farm like, owns this property and you never see his parents right and so one of the ideas that he's from you got rolf from 1903 well actually greg technically wouldn't the oldest be plank because he's made from a tree and you don't uh, know how old he is well we don't know how old the tree is um but but, but they have stuff like johnny two by four is a kid who carries around this piece of woody with a face on it it has plank. to be a dust bowl kid or something well no he um dies of tuberculosis and that wooden plank was the last thing he saw oh come on um oh, you have Eddie's from the 30s. He was, um, during the Depression era, came to America to, like, make a quick buck and scam people and try to, like, make money. Eddie comes and off more as, like, a greaser to me. Yeah, I, I, yeah he's almost like a, like a T-bird. And judging by his brother, too. Yeah, well, his, the whole is, thing is yeah. he's kind of a get-rich-quick, but it just goes through all of them. And so it's all the way through the end. The last one's, like, Jimmy, the kid with the braces, who's, like, from 2000. So you basically have this whole timeline from 1903 to 2000 where every kid, there's, like, a backstory. Now, this is where, of course, these fan theories get weird because you're like, what? there's not a whole lot to inform these backstories. Like, what? why is Eddie from the Depression? Like, what on earth indicates that? Um, you, like you were saying, y'all went, oh, he's obviously a greaser. That's where you two came to the conclusion. Yeah, but yeah. that's not it at all. So it it's, just, it's a really funny one, which is very morbid. Like, the whole idea is that the cul-de-sac, right? They're in a cul-de-sac. It's a circle. It's this It's this infinite, it's a It's a non-ending road, right? Technically, when you go to it, and so it's, it's basically a purgatory metaphor. <laughs> see i like that one for just the sheer craziness of it because you had to like i don't know i feel like that one fills in a lot of blank like you have a lot of filling in to do and kind of you know paint your own picture for some of them i i like it they make you logic your way into it in a lot of ways yeah I, I'll, I'll agree with that like like ryan says like i i like it like i think it's a fun theory to have and i, I think that maybe 
the problem with a lot of these shows is like if you if knowing this and you go back and rewatch it, a lot of these shows don't have a rewatchability. And I haven't gone back to watch Ed, Ed and Eddie in a long time, but um, you know, I, I think it'd definitely be fun to check it out now with with this in mind. Man, man I love Ed, Ed and Eddie though. Like every day after summer camp, I watch Ed, Ed and Eddie and then so Zoids. Oh, I remember Zoid. that. Oh, that's right, Zoids. Oh, yeah, Zoids was. I didn't like Zoids uh, Century Zero or something like that. I yeah, that was, was bullshit. The one where it was actual <laughs> war. I liked better it was the competition, right. you know? Right, I'm with you. But so after that, I had my own Ed and Eddie theory that I really... I, I want to pitch this one to y'all to see how you feel about it in opposition to the one you just pitched, Greg. All the kids aren't dead, but everyone else is. I feel like it's actually like... <laughs> a post-plague situation like where a, only children were immune to the actual disease and that's why all the parents died off and it's almost a lord of fly situation and they're coping like their minds are trying to really cope with this by acting like everything's still normal and regular even though their parents aren't still there i don't know if it's more or less depressing that they're not dead but everybody else is or i don't know which one would you i just feel it works a little bit better because you never see any cars anywhere you never see anything it's just them kind of just trying to act like they're everyday kids again and even like they later on in one of the seasons they went to school and they never showed any teachers and not only that they never showed any other kids really well i mean i think my my whole issue with that theory is how are these kids maintaining to provide for themselves and i'm coming at this i know completely logically which is not how you want to do it with these fan theories but at least with greg's theory when you don't see them eating and sleeping and you know all those other like everyday activities well i mean you don't have to worry about you know their parents not being there or you don't have to really worry about any of that because they're dead so it's not really relevant but in your theory then they have to provide for themselves there's no set timeline really you never see them eating they could figure it out for themselves maybe what, what do you think matt What's yeah your, what, how would you weigh in on this oh if you had to had to pick a camp or, or oh, propose I, a new I, one. i'm in the pro greg camp i think that they're <laughs> for once they're <laughs> They built a jawbreaker economy in that thing, like it's, it's from a currency. But you forget economy. one of the uh, one of the key factors of that theory is that they are the only ones. They all have discolored skin and tongues, yeah, does, which they yeah, equate to like corpses. And, tongues, yeah. and the only ones that have normal ones are the three sisters that torment them, and they're supposed to be the demons. That's in a purgatory. Good point. It could be side effects of the plague or like it's nuclear fallout because. One of the sisters in a very slow motion scene. Uh, I think Nat's her name. No, that's it. Doesn't matter. Nat's the the, one the red like. the redheaded one. Yeah, yeah. They showed her eyes once, and it turns out she has three eyes. So it could so have she's been a, a mutative thing. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, to be fair, that's true. But I'm going with the purgatory one because even going to the brother, when they it's the only time they ever leave the quote unquote cul de sac. And it's to visit his brother, oh, and yeah. so they're like For they're the visiting him episode. in hell. Because he also has the same like <laughs> skin and tongue thing going on. Take that, Ryan. To give you an oh, idea man. of the level of detail they go into, I'm gonna read you one very short bit. Ed and Sarah. Um, now who's, who's that's that's I was gonna say. So it's it's a uh, single D Ed um, and Sarah. So it's um they you know they're they're two characters. And it's Ed and Sarah. They're they t- they're in the 40s, I believe. And their father died fighting in World War II, and as a result, their mom sort of became disconnected, aloof, and distant. Sarah picked up a bossy attitude and persona, trying to fill in for the roles their parents had previously left in their lives. That person made a typo. Ed had a bit of a different coping mechanism. He shut the world out and delved into nerdy things like comic books and monster movies in order to escape an unhappy life. 
They both died in a freak car accident in 1953, then no. joined the past kids in purgatory. No, I was going to say we should build our own theories around how people died because that was going to be mine <laughs> for Eddie and his brother. Single D-Ed was the unibrow one who's kind of an idiot. Yeah. No, they have theories for how all of them died. Mine for Eddie. Like, I, I haven't read that part. Like, we're still oh, going by Eddie. the format if we try not to research everybody else's if possible. Oh, yeah, that's true. But I, I think the, the research that I that, – the, what I'm putting through in my head is that Eddie – obviously looks up to his brother in the past in the afterlife if that's the case we're going with you know i'm willing to suspend my little theory just to go with this you're one. such okay. a brave soul right? he's so, a he's a real giver yeah okay <laughs> but I, it's as long as i can make it worse than it was before i feel like what happened was eddie was getting a ride from his brother who just got in his new cruiser because i'm still going with him being a greaser i like it he's got he's got the smash mouth bowling shirt and everything like he's something <laughs> like you know risque magazines his brother was like hey Hey, jump in the ride. Hey, Eddie, let's jump in the ride. Let's go. He's like, yeah, sure, bro. Afterwards. Do it for Johnny. They, they're they swerving. They go too fast. He's like, hey, Eddie, you want to see how fast I can go? He's like, yeah, bro, I'll do it. It's like, all right. dead man's curve. Strap your <laughs> seatbelt. Just floors it. They swerve. Hit a guardrail. Eddie flies out of the fucking oh window because he didn't strap his seatbelt. And then afterwards, the brother hit the steering wheel and just died instantly right there. And that's why his brother is so far away. Eddie got ejected into that cul-de-sac purgatory, and he's always talking about his brother and looking for him in the afterlife. Ooh. Y- you put a lot of theory into this, right? Like you know, you know why he was wearing like a Smash, <laughs> uh, Smash Mouth shirt? Because he's been oh. walking on the sun? Because he's in hell, and it's like he's walking on the sun. <laughs> that's pretty good. Uh, so you can't talk about car wrecks in front of me. I'm kind of triggered. Uh, oh, man. I don't get it. Is it because you're a bad driver? Yeah, raise yes. up your arm. Raise up your arm. Greg Greg, Greg got into an accident on the way to one of the podcasts. <laughs> That's right. I forgot. Bomp, bomp. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I can kind of give some credence to that. I don't know how far I would go with, like, determining him and his brother's death. But, uh, yeah, let's uh, – I mean, it, it's, it's definitely in the realm of possibility. And also, Ed Single D was a shed child. Died of overheat. Oh. <laughs> They kept him in there, didn't learn anything. Because even in one of the uh, episodes, I remember Ed was, he was grounded. Oh, <laughs> and yeah. they took away the stairs to the basement. That's right. It's like, why don't you go down there? I've been grounded. It's like, what do you mean? It's like, oh, like what I say, like, Sarah's like really serious about grounding. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he literally can't leave. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're gonna have an Ed, Ed and Eddie like marathon after oh this. Oh my god! Well, I, uh, does anybody have anything else they want to add to that theory? The, the last theory, yeah, the last theory. Trailer Park Boards is like the sequel oh, yeah, to yeah. Ed, Ed, and Eddie. I can get behind that. But which? So Bubbles is Ed. Bubbles is clearly <laughs> double D. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, Bubbles is double D. Oh, double D, right? Yeah. right, right. No, yeah. no, no, no question. Double Chicken D. Chicken fingers for Ed. Yeah. <laughs> now he's got red hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's actually a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> okay. Well, does anybody, Matt? You have anything else, Ryan? Greg? Okay. Uh, yeah. Matt, let's uh, let's bring on your theory, man. Let's see what you got. Did you know there are so many different Pokemon theories? I'm not surprised. <laughs> so many. <laughs> I mean, I think. But I was think about, sh- well, think about this though. Like, how long has Pokemon been around? I mean. They've, they've so, got to formulate something. Well, let me ask you a question. What are there more of? Pokemon or theories about Pokemon? <laughs> <laughs> are we talking Riddle individual Pokemon? Riddle me this. <laughs> One of the ones I like is the whole, uh, what's the name? Caterpie and uh, what's it? Uh, Venonat got mixed up? Yeah. yeah. Because, oh, yeah. I mean, that I, I can't imagine that 
that's less a theory and more the developers don't want to admit they were wrong, I bet, because <laughs> Butterfree is literally Venonet with wings, yeah. and Metapod is Venomoth with like the same horn structure and everything. It's silly to even assume that that wasn't the case. They're like cousins dangerous. Yeah. They're just... Oh. It's just... Nice. Japan, you know, they're all about honor, and they could not admit that mistake. They're like, nah, that, that was intentional. We at Rumor Flies do not endorse these stereotypes unlike Nolan Nerdcast. It's true. Uh, <laughs> I would like say to say offensive Chris ever. from Nilla Nerdcast <laughs> is a horrible person, and he rubs off on us. <laughs> um, but yeah, so there's a lot. Like there's one. There, there are a lot of like smaller theories, and then there's the one big theory that people like to bandy about. Which one should I jump into first? Go into the grand Poke theory. Okay, oh, the one that uh, Pokemon, at least the originals, take place. Uh, in a post-war, like there was a giant war that ravaged the countryside. Oh yeah, like and a like a world war. Yes. Or okay. Like a world war, uh, and it explains why there are not very many adult males in the game, and the ones that are are either tied into organized crime or the military. Everyone else is either an old person, a young child, or a lady. You know, even in the uh, TV series too, it's kind of like that. And yeah, I, that's what I was thinking uh, of. Uh, what is it? Lieutenant Surge was the, the only one. Well, and, yeah. and he even mentions, like, my electric Pokemon, you know, saved me during the war. He directly references And I think that one line is what really kick-started all of that theory. That sparked it. Yeah, it was yeah. the fuel to the fire. And uh, so between that and the fact that all the... Not all, there are some, but the majority of able-bodied men are missing from the game has fueled that this is... A, not a post-apocalyptic, but just a post-terrible world war society that they're living in. And now that's why kids from a young age are trained to battle. And a lot of Japan's, um, yeah, a lot it. of their art and culture, a lot of it's based around stuff after World War II. I mean, look how many right. animes and yeah. movies and oh, shows. Yeah. Everything's about passing. I mean, you got a, little, about... a bunch of little like Michael Vicks running around fighting their, be- their, their best friends against other kids' other best friends. That's the reference we go with, all right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what's happening. I mean, like, well, dark, you know what? It is I ha- there's a theory that, that actually removes the stigma of the cockfighting like, aspect of Pokemon, and that is Pokemon are actually creatures of uh, light that convert energy into matter. And that's why when you op- when you look at the concept art and what's inside a Pokeball, it looks like it's a lot of mirrors. Okay. And so it actually, when it captures them, that's why they turn into that energy and they just bounce around the Pokeball and they convert that into, like, uh, convert into matter when they rematerialize. And that's why you can't capture humans or um, passed out Pokemon with them because they're not conscious to do the conversion. Wow. But even if they are okay. the, made of that, if they're still, like, living creatures... Put them to work. <laughs> eh, who knows? They, they just are taking the aspect of it. And it also helps explain evolution. They get enough experience. They build up enough energy. There's an explosion of conversion, and they take on a new form. See, the thing that I heard was that it was... I, I heard the war one, but I also saw something about it being a nuclear war, and that's why you have all these ver- different mutations of each other, and they're just, like, regular animals that have been right. mutated. That's but, why you also have, like, a... a sprocket that ends up being right. like completely alive and like with eyeballs and everything and see that that is the one theory that i used to really like but previous future games like uh debunk that by giving their own history where pokemon existed thousands and thousands of years ago and there's a pokemon god that created the world yeah, so true. that one kind of pokemon debunked their own theory with that one that's why a lot of people are reverting back to just the regular type of war 
scenario. Okay, I can deal with that. I, I can get behind that. I mean, because you got to think like throughout history that you know when when war comes. I mean, as soon as you know it's over, and and over is a very you know subjective term. But I mean, yeah, there's a huge decrease in the amount of able bottle able bodied men and or older people you know that aren't teenagers that weren't fighting in the war that ask russia yeah they're not really that's what i was gonna say they lost you know what 20 million men in world war ii i mean that, right they conservatively got, yeah they, literally 10 percent of the population yeah i mean so just like, <laughs> like i mean when you think about it like all young men <laughs> well when you take that and you like you kind of adapt it into pokemon i mean it totally makes sense i mean it's very feasible in my mind oh hear me out on this one Ooh, okay not only a war a clone war so if we're going by Star Wars, uh, <laughs> I was gonna say by Star Wars aspects, you know the men they age and they die early. That's why you don't see a lot of stormtroopers in this main Star Wars universe, which you might touch on later. Uh, end up you know dying early, and that's why you don't see them in like the original trilogy. It's because all the clones have advanced aging. That might be the same thing with the men. There was a massive clone army, but the trick to it is there was also a service version. Like they had their own like. Uh, What's her name? Uh, Riveter. Yeah, uh, Nurse Riveter. Joy and uh, Nurse Joy and, and Officer, Officer Jenny. Uh, Jenny. Yeah, they are all the same person because they're clones. Now, now here's the wrench in all this. What about Team Rocket? Where where does that fall into it? Because they're both younger. So are they yeah, clones? No, it's like they said. The only people that aren't involved in that were involved in either the military or organized but crime. I, I always took them as older than like Ash. Yeah, I agree. But they probably they probably dodge the draft by joining this organized like mafia okay all right that, that's why because almost all of team rocket is is uh young 20 something or older yeah, teenage that's, men that's, that's how and I that, yeah. so what better way to not go to war than by joining this organization that says hey skip the war we'll let join us and you don't have to go fight you know, just do shit for us. Hail Hydra, right? Exactly. They're basically <laughs> Hydra. So that explains why Team Rocket's made of mostly young men. I like Because it. They're, dodge, they're, they're draft dodgers. I like it. Okay. I like that. And then there's a bunch of young lads around. Yeah. <laughs> they like shorts. Yeah. But no, one of my favorite fan theories is uh, that Ditto is actually just a, a corrupted clone of Mew. I've heard, I've heard that, that before. one's great. I I've like heard it. that I don't before. There is a there one. is a lot of evidence to support that, down to the fact that they are the only they have the same color, down to the same. When you find a shiny version of them, they're the same color. They have the same weight. They have they're the only Pokemon to learn transform, and the fact that Mewtwo was the result of many experiments of cloning Mew, and he's the only successful one. So you have Suggest to ask yourself, there, what, happened to, what others, happened to the failures? And the fact that you find dittos, both in the abandoned mansion where you uh, discover the history of Mew, and the caves where you find Mew too. So that is really the only two places you can catch Ditto. In the originals. Oh, wow. That's maybe Ditto really, is just Mew That's poo. actually compelling. Oh, Jesus. That's man. actually compelling. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't say, say like a failure. I would say more of a happy accident. Yeah, like, it's a happy accident. Because Ditto's a pretty pop, awesome Pokemon. Uh, yeah. uh, Mew like, is, since Mew is the first Pokemon, he contains all the DNA of every other Pokemon, which explains why Ditto can transform into every other Pokemon. That is one of my favorites. Just, there's so many small ones. Like, there's also one that's Slowpoke is actually not dumb. He's actually omniscient as a psychic. And <laughs> he cannot process all of the data in his head. And that's why he reacts to the world around him slowly because in his mind he's going through all the permutations. And it's not until he gets 
evolved into Slow Bro when a shelter uh, latches on and poisons him. It actually dumbs him down a little because Slow Bro's uh, Pokedex calls him one of the smartest Pokemon ever. So he actually goes from omniscient to still the smartest Pokemon ever because he's finally he's cognizant enough he can actually uh. process the world around him. The, the one that I like about Slowpoke is that he actually has a much slower metabolic rate than every other Pokemon, and that's why he re- re- is so slow. Like an alligator, he basically. Might, yeah, well, not only, like, an alligator maxed up. I'm going to use, I don't know. Uh, y'all, sloth? Y'all, y'all have played Mass Effect. The Solarians, they die a lot faster because right. they have such a fast metabolic rate, but they're also really smart, too. True. These guys are kind of like, it's the time reference, like, a slow poke is kind of like a tree. Like, they can live for hundreds of years, but, you know, our lives might be like a second in their eyes type of deal. Like, they may be almost on a different plane, pretty much, just processing things differently than okay. us. Okay, that's pretty cool. And there's one final theory to tap into before I pass the buck. Lay the bomb And that's, on uh, this one's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> oh, the other no, one? Yeah, I was going to say, no, no. the other ones no, were. This one, this, this, right? I like the Mew one. I like the Ditto one a lot. That actually sounds like they might have, that's where I go, they might have done it. I still go with Ditto being Mew Poo. All right, so... Pokemon don't actually say their names in battle. It's humans developed language based on what they heard Pokemon say. So early humans would hear this, say, a fire lizard known as Charmander, say Charmander, Charmander, and start associating over time that they created the words like charring or or like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? salamander yeah or anything based on well, Chew what is they a mouse yeah but you Blastoise, know tortoise blasting right so all <laughs> the all the like quote-unquote pun names for pokemon could just they they theorize yeah, that it's right it's humans basing our own vocabulary and knowledge of language on what we heard these ancient creatures say while we were creating Set our own by example okay i like that one that's pretty interesting i think the only issue i have with that one is you know, it's taking a Japanese name and then translating it into English. So I think that's kind of the issue run into right there. Well, not all of them are the same. Like Raichu, literal, well, not literally, but it is a kind of compound word in Japanese for lightning mouse. Right. So it's like that, but that's my point. Is like, I, uh, I think like that maybe has more to do with it than than like a battle cry. Well, see, now you're you're associated with Earth theory, like Earth logic I'm in the sorry. Pokemon world. I apologize. <laughs> that that's what God, there is so no Japanese there is Josh. no English it's, Canto, it's just Cantonese actually Cantoese because Cantonese is a real thing where I thought you were going with that speaking of Cantonese with the whole language thing was that that the Pokemon actually have their own complex languages they managed to kind of meld into like two syllables four syllables at most between their species and they just have very 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 complex intonations that the human ear can't hear it's like Mandarin Chinese amped up times a billion to the point where they can use only two two syllables, but the sounds involved in the way they say it is okay. what really like millions of the okay. sounds. Okay, so so in that theory, then would Groot be a Pokemon for I am Groot? Yes, probably one hundred percent. Okay, he fights. I'm just saying. And the other and uh, Rocket Raccoon does catch the subtlety. And well, that's exactly it. Yeah. That that's he exactly the, he the nuance of it. Yeah, so I'm just kind of piggybacking off that theory with that thought. So, all right, Matt, you good? I'm good. Okay, right. so. My theory actually has more to do with the Dark Knight, the movie, 
And this is actually from General Z. He's a user on Reddit. Wait, we're talking about the Martin Lawrence movie, right? Yes. So, like I was saying, the theory that I have is actually pertaining to The Dark Knight. And the Joker is the hero of the film as opposed to Batman. Which sounds very silly on the surface because, you know, Batman is the mass vigilante who represents justice and all that's good in the world. And the Joker is the rabid dog who just wants to see the world burn, as uh, Michael Caine so elegantly put it in the film. But the argument here, which I, and this theory, it doesn't necessarily prove to be 100% true, but I think there is some kind of weight to it for the way that, you know, it dives into the detail about things. So when you think about Gotham, when the Dark Knight Rises, there was crime all over the city, corrupt officials were everywhere holding office. It was just a bad time over in Gotham. Now, the Joker comes in, and he gets rid of all that. The- you mean the Batman Begins? So no. Dark Knight Rises. I think you're talking about Dark Knight Rises after Joker's gone, right? No, no, no. I'm talking about Dark He's Knight. He's talking about Okay, you said Dark Knight Rises. Did I? Yeah. yeah. Oh, fuck. I'll start over then. Okay. Yeah, that's right. No, that's so, cool. so as you're saying, so Dark Knight, Corruption. Yeah, so the Dark Knight, like, if you remember the first scene of the Dark Knight, it's the bank robbery, the, the famous right. scene. Yeah. Okay, and everybody that is involved in that, the Joker kills. And he robs that bank with the sole purpose of stealing the money from the bank, which is owned by crime bosses, and also to get Lao out of hiding from China, which the Batman so elegantly uh, expedites him over here. So, but he doesn't keep any of the money. That doesn't mean anything to him. He doesn't care about all of it. I mean, you see later on in the, in the film, he, he literally burns it all because he just does not care. That was a lot of money too. Yes, it was mounds of money. And all he was doing was he, he was just, he had a plan in mind. And he, he calls himself, you know, the rabid dog. You know, there's a, the famous scene with uh, Harvey Dent in the hospital. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Where he's like, you know, everybody, you know, thinks, there's a famous meme from it. You know what I'm talking about. Right. I'm a dog, I just do. Yeah, exactly. So the whole point of what he's doing is to get rid of crime in Gotham. And it ends up getting to the point where eventually, and the Dark Knight Rises, Batman retires for eight years because there's no need for him. Yeah. Now, there's, there's pieces in between there that, you know, that I, I'm going to get into. But that's like the kind of like summary of it. But I, I think it holds some weight to it. So, uh, Matt, I want to get to your kind of impression like right, right off the get You know, that is a very intriguing theory. Uh because, yeah, when you look at the end result of everything Joker did, it did result in a uh, arguably safer Gotham, one where Bruce felt he could disappear for a couple years. Well, and the the big thing to me in the film is All like... All the mob bosses are gone. Well, yeah. Right. <clears throat> and he intentionally gives Batman the wrong directions to the other warehouse and blows up Rachel because he wanted to kill her, which he knew would ruin Dent. And not Batman, because if you would kill Batman, then he becomes like that 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 beacon, that symbol of justice, because he's a martyr. And Dent, he knew, could be corrupted, or I don't want to say corrupted, but he knew that he could kind of get around that with Batman, you know, as opposed to not killing Batman. So I don't know, like just like little things like that, like that. But I then see why that he did he did. corrupt Dent in the end? Though? Why did he want Dent to go on a killing spree? I think that was just something that he was able to work into the plan, because right. Uh, both of them ended up blowing up and I don't think he was playing for, you know, half of his face to get burnt off or anything like that. No, but just like, but if anyone had, if it had ever gotten out that Dent had done, I remember in the third one, it comes out that like, it was like, he was this beacon for this new age for Gotham and then he gets torn down in Dark Knight Rises. But that was, that was Dent's own plan. That wasn't the Joker's plan. Now, if you remember the way that... He handed him a gun. He, but he didn't pull the trigger. 
Ah, but he handed. He, come on, he enabled him. Come I on. I feel like it was a gamble, regardless. Because yeah, I'm, Bar- just saying, I'm not saying therefore it's nothing. Drivers, I'm wondering where that would fit. Let's see, I'm like, where does that fit in the plan? Oh, Joker's in jail. You can ask him. <laughs> but I guess it almost kind of fits in with like the whole Walter White thing. Josh is wearing a Breaking Bad shirt right now, so that kind of reminded me of it. Really, at the end of Breaking Bad, spoilers! you know what? At this point, spoilers. Yeah, it was. It what, when did spo- it end? Like 2013. It's been three years. Yeah. If you haven't finished Breaking Bad yet, fast forward like literally a minute. Okay, so Walter White. Walter White ended up being the best thing for Albuquerque because he literally wiped out the entire meth industry, ending with him. Okay. Like, everything was done with after him. He wiped out every supplier, whether intentionally or not, towards the end of it. There's no good meth anywhere afterwards. So it's kind of like that deal where the Joker kind of wiped the streets, and then he became kind of the only subject for Batman to really focus on at that point. And off of that, afterwards, criminals are probably like, so we have the option of if we try to get a little bit rowdy and, you know, pull something off, either the Joker's going to rip us off or kill us or Batman's going to come after our asses. So it was kind of like you had this twofold approach where it was kind of curbing crime by either the guy that's worse than you is going to get you or the guy that's incorruptible is going to get you. Well, and that's one of the things it that... was the damned if you do, damned if you right, don't yeah. scenario. And that was one of the things that I, that I liked about this theory is that the Joker actually had plans to put Gordon into place to be the commissioner because he knew that eventual commissioner Gordon was incorruptible. Right now. And, and like I said, this is strictly pertaining to mostly the dark Knight and parts of the dark Knight rises. This doesn't entail, you know, the Joker shooting, you know, commissioner Gordon's daughter or anything like that. You know, I would have killed to have seen like the whole Oracle thing happen for dark Knight rises. I feel like that could have been worked in because he had a daughter right at, in the, in dark Knight. Yeah, Gordon, in eight years yeah, passed. It could have been to the point where she could have ended up being like one of those. That's a good. She point. could have been Oracle. Yeah, that's like they a good could have point. worked her into that. I know that she couldn't have been Batgirl at that point, at being however young she was in the Dark Knight. But she definitely could have had that role at least. You know, they, that, I still like Dark Knight Rises. Everybody kind of. Um, I enjoyed it. A lot of people don't like it, but that's only because it had so much to like follow. Dark Honestly, Knight is the only thing I didn't like. Is that the first two, they're absurd, but like they're kind of grounded. When you had the like Lord of the Rings style clash between police and criminals, that was so over the yeah, top. That, that was so over the top. That was unnecessary. Yeah. I never even considered that actually. Yeah, that know. bothered me for just and like anytime, six months. Anytime a movie, underground. like I don't know, it just it just it's it felt a little bit jumping the shark. Anytime a movie does that, that's not a giant epic fantasy battle or a sci-fi yeah. battle where two sides are standing Have the collision. and then they're like ah and they run and they clash and I'm like. If this isn't with swords and shields or laser really guns work. and mechs, then this is just silly. And also, if you're coming from the criminal standpoint, really, it's not like you're standing for much. Most of the ones that end up in that prison, it's not like they were all in the same organized crime syndicate yeah. or anything like that. Most of them will be like, well, f*** this. I'm yeah, leaving. Whole, like, I don't give a shit. six months, they control this. You know, it just kind of got a little, I was like, this is getting a little off the rails. But it was still a great movie. If I was you're a right, criminal Dark that, Knight's hard to follow up. If man. I was a criminal that got out of jail, the last thing I want to be doing is going up against cops again. Right? And like, managing a city. Well, <laughs> look at it this way, though. Like, how many times in history have you had, like, a great second movie and a and a even better third mo- installment of the franchise? The only one I can think of Toy is Story. Toy Story. Boom. I mean, Return of the Jedi even suffered. I wait, mean, like, wait. Godfather? No. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm saying 
Godfather Three was, you know, that was different. Godfather Two was so much better. Now, I, yeah, mm. I get that. It was one person that was responsible for Godfather Three getting panned so badly. Sophia Coppola, the director's daughter, yeah. who also directed Lost in Translation. Which some people still say is a great film. Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm not talking I about Lost. Directing, maybe she's great. Well, I mean, but, but it's hard to father, follow The Godfather. But her acting, too. you know. Yeah. Well, my thing is like, you know, when you, chances are when you have like the second film explode, like The Dark Knight did, no matter what you do in the third film, it's going to be hard to, yeah, you know, and... Toy Story 3 is literally the only example that I can think of off the top of my head that managed to be better than the previous two. And granted, this is all speculative because it's just my opinion. But, I mean, the fact that they did that... Let's see. Toy Story 3 came out in 2010. The first film was 15 years prior, in 95. Fun little fact, which makes Toy Story 3 particularly interesting after Toy Story 2, is that Toy Story 2 is actually... Pixar has a whole thing. I remember reading um, in this this book. I was they had a whole thing. Um, Pixar has a big banner that says um, "Remember Toy Story 2," because what happened was um, when they were developing it and working on it, they scrapped the project after about a year and a half, and um, basically were like, "This movie's garbage," and they started from scratch again, but they still had to finish it in ten months. I thought they and, lost and everything. No, no, like no. It got, they, no, they scrapped it. Yeah, they scrapped it. And I so did they basically that. went to like this like cabin in Colorado. They went to like this like retreat basically and rewrote the whole thing. And then we're working these like insane 70, 80 hour weeks to the point where like staff members are having mental breakdowns and not showing up. And like it was just basically this horrible thing where ever since they've been like, we can never allow ourselves in that position again. But Jesse isn't a believable character yet. I can't stop working. <laughs> I can't Wait, eat. Ooh, I've got one for you. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Here, the Prospector. I, I, I'm about to break, <laughs> blow your mind with a third movie that's objectively better than the first Ooh. two that came before it. Okay. I don't, I'm, I'm curious. Uh, oh, I know this one immediately. I'll say it before you do. Go. Ninja Turtles 3, Turtles in Time. Okay. <laughs> I mean, he's not wrong. But no. Just ignore him. It's Star Wars uh, Revenge of the Sith. Compare that one to Clone Wars and uh, the first it one. It does have the March on the Jedi Temple. Um, I'm just saying. It's still not a good movie, but it is better than the two that I don't came count that as the it. third one, though. That's I, like saying, though... It's like saying, okay, George is like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to give him. We're just going to have to start killing kids. By the way, this is a kid's movie. Like, I, I, I have a thing about episode three. Saying it Who is doesn't? the... <laughs> I don't know. I, I really have no comparison for it because usually that's my bottom of the barrel. But it's. I really want to say it's like saying it is the best of the worst. I hate the sand. Well, I, mean, I, I guess I should probably <laughs> phrase it better as in like... The third movie of the franchise. That's a good point, Matt. I don't but but what? if you're going on it's a technicality, that that's better. <laughs> if you're going on a technicality, yeah, that that is right, Matt. But I guess I meant to, meant to say. I know. The I third would also the then franchise. argue. Uh, Born Ultimatum, I enjoyed significantly more than both Born Identity and Born Yeah, that's Supremacy. a very good point. Okay, I can I can actually get behind that. That's a series that I really wanted to keep up with, but just there was. So I'm super hyped for the there new huge one. Huge gaps between each one. Th- that's yeah. And I remember what, seeing the Born Supremacy. That was two years. Was it because I, for some reason I remember seeing Born Supremacy and feeling like I had seen the Identity so long ago I couldn't even remember what happened. Oh, you were so much younger. Uh, that's probably that might have been it. That's honestly. A, Fair point. This might be a technicality, but we have a recent third movie that was better than all the others. Captain America Civil War. I was actually going to bring that up, but I didn't know if I could because Winter Soldier is also really freaking good. But I personally think Civil War is a better 
Part three. I still haven't seen Civil ones. War yet. I don't oh. care. If and a lot spoil- of people argue Iron Man three was better than one and two. Oh, I heard Iron Man three just. I bed. disagree because I hated Iron Man three. Yeah, I don't think. But I, the people I, uh, I like half, it, half the Nolan nerd cast hate on me because they freaking adore Iron Man three and they're like, what you're do they wrong. Like so much about it. They're, I don't know, they're dumb. The first apparently. one was such a like beautiful execution of the. Well, so are we the new nerd such... cast now? <laughs> yeah, I've adopted you. Bye, Bye. Chris. Love well, you. So... Pod dad. Pod dad. dad. So my my whole issue with with Civil War is there was parts of it I really enjoyed, but the film as a whole, I do agree. I thought uh, Winter Soldier was better. I loved Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier. I loved it was so a much. spy movie. Yes. Dressed up as a superhero I, movie. I will it was a James Bond movie dressed up as a superhero While movie. Exploring PTSD, just, just surveillance. Yeah. Like, well, just like uh, Ant Man was a heist movie dressed up as a superhero movie. Like Marvel's gotten to the point where they can now do different genres and just say yeah. it's a superhero movie and get people. If, to, let's put them in wacky suits and see how it goes. Is actually, I'm really glad you bring this up because I remember. My sister and I argue about a lot of things. The one thing we totally agreed on was that people go, superhero movies, they're like, oh, it's drying up, it's dying off. You say that, but it keeps going. And I go, you know, a genre never gets burned out. We endured, what, 30 years of the American Western? And it's because you adapt the story to the format. I, I agree with and that. And that is, I think that... That's what's I happening. I think that, and there was... It's, it's superhero movies. It's not always epic clashes. Well, like, look at Thor. Yeah. I didn't like the first Thor very much. But Thor that movie was, was not an action movie. It was all. not. At all. But see, but th- th- you get into the issue of marketing and advertising versus sure. your true product. But to your point about just Westerns in general, I mean... Think about all the great westerns we had, you know, with Charles Bronson, John Wayne, Clint Eastwood. But then think about all of a sudden, and was it? I'm 90- a big fan of Adam Sandler's. <laughs> think about was it '91? Unforgiven. I mean, that was so different than anything else in the previous ten years. You could argue but it was No Country for film. Old Men is kind of a western. But uh, well, to me, yeah, it's that, 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 it's got it's that a stretch. Though, but, but it's got that aesthetic. But it, it does have that aesthetic. Yes. There's genre versus backdrop. Right. And, and superhero movies are definitely a backdrop. Yeah, I would say that. That's how I felt about sci-fi up until recently. I, I will agree with that. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, so about that theory. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that, I mean, that's pretty much it. I, I don't want to keep going too long, but like one of the last things I'll say is like part of what the Joker sets to prove out is if you remember in The Dark Knight, he gives the the people the bomb like on the two boats that are uh, trying to escape, yeah. and the whole point of him doing that was to prove that people are still good. And that it's not all doom and gloom, uh, death and destruction kind of thing. But he'll kill him anyway. But you don't necessarily know that that he had bombs. Yeah, that's true. Well, didn't he like, try to push the button and someone had dis- what? Didn't yeah, he try yeah, to? Yeah, blow he both tried up? to blow it up himself. And it that didn't could have just been for theatrics. Oh yeah. no, 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 he didn't. <laughs> that that was for that Batman's was, benefit. Uh, yeah, I that mean, was to keep the persona going. Yeah, so like it was all part of his plan just yeah. to show that people are still good. Give Batman well, something to play for. And like I said, like <laughs> there's parts of it that like it's kind of a stretch, but overall the theory. It's a strong. It it holds some weight. What kind really of character does. who's such a psychopath? It's not beyond the realm possibility that he has a twisted way of trying to make the world better. What kind of preserves the theory too is the fact that that universe's Joker is. By all intents and purposes, an enigma. Like it is, he's a person. No, 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 that, no, no, no. We're talking about the Joker, oh, not the Riddler. Stop it! Oh, ha ha! <laughs> oh, whoops. Okay, that was a bad terminology. He is a complete mystery. You will literally never get. If they do this, I will just dis. I will just disown that entire series. If they ever give anything else away about the Joker than they did in the Dark Knight, because he is the perfect villain. Because you just, there's no knowing him. He is an unknown force, and that's what made him so like scary 
and also powerful is because there wasn't a lot behind him. Bane, you got some backstory. What is it? Ra's immovable Ghul? object against an unstoppable stream. Is that what he said? Something yeah, like that. Something yeah. Like that. Uh, an immovable object meets an unstoppable force. That's it. Is. Yeah. yeah. He's like, this, this is what happens. And it's just well, like, oh, you don't know what it is. You just know it's there. The thing, <laughs> the thing that I've always found interesting about Batman in general was, and just to show my Disney fan, fanboy, you know, side of me. Syn- uh, Syndicate, or what was it? Uh, the bad guy from The Incredibles. Syndrome. Syndrome. Sorry. Syndrome. Like Jason Lee. Yeah. All he was basically was just Batman, but for the wrong reasons. I mean, he bought all this stuff to become a superhero, and his plans were to sell it and make superheroes obsolete. And it's just funny how you have that dynamic that just, you know, kind of parallels each other at a certain point, and then it just vastly just deter from one another. Fun fact. The line where he says... To Mr. Incredible, you're 15 years too late. Incredibles 2 is going to come out 15 years after Incredibles nice. 1. And I'm just like, oh, that's some nice synergy I, right I mean, I, I think The Incredibles is one of the best superhero movies. High five. This guy gets it. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's just, it's fun. It's great. And I'm, I'm looking forward it, to the next one. Well, because it came out before superhero movies as we know existed. It was still in the realm of Fantastic Four. And we were like, <laughs> when we were God. still getting like sh- superhero movies as opposed to the golden age we now entered in directly after that for a couple years incredibles was objectively one of the best superhero movies ever made and it still holds up to this day i mean especially for a team movie it was the only one with a team everyone the other well x-men but they uh, had their hits and misses yeah yeah they they have their issues but like for the most part of that time the biggest movies were the solo ones spider-man and at that time blade were like the two big yeah. superhero movies, but they were solo ones. And even X-Men was pretty much the Wolverine movie with supporting cast. Well, I mean, the thing for me is like before The Incredibles, you know, the the best superhero movie, like in my opinion, and I really enjoyed, you know, Spider-Man. I like Spawn. I thought that was a really interesting take on the superhero genre. And I'd love, and you can kind of see how they've kind of molded to, to that at parts in these different films. That was one of the first anti-hero movies. Yeah. But it, but it was, well, I mean, not ever. I mean, in the superhero genre. More recent times. It, okay. I'll give you that. But I, I like, but just the Incredibles, like everything it did, like you had a strong dad, you had a strong mom, you know, you had their kids, you know, who were great and had their own supporting roles. Like, it was just great, and it was a great time for su- superhero movies and family movies, and it, it kind of encompassed everything. I mean, and, you know, my Pixar blood is bleeding through the microphone right now. And the but... explosion of Michael Giacchino on the scene. Pretty sure The point. Incredibles was his, uh, I think it was his big break with that. Yeah, it was. It was, yeah. And, and, you know, and that also paved the way to a lot of other things down the line. Um, you know, Brad Bird was amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but, you know, all that in a nutshell, that's why I like Batman. Yeah, so we're ready to <laughs> pick this train up and put it back <laughs> yes. on the rails. Like... Tangent just, over. We have to walk about five miles back to the rails. So the to round this off tonight, I'm going to go with a theory that has pretty much been debunked for the most part, but it's so good that I just have to mention it. And we had already talked a little bit of shit about the original, tr- uh, well, sorry, the prequel trilogy to Star Wars. The, the real no, trilogy? The, the original trilogy, right before. <sighs> the only trilogy that actually matters. <laughs> <laughs> Our trilogy, whether you like it or not, is, that's not our trilogy. trilogy. That is not our trilogy. New trilogy is best trilogy. You're not my friend, guy. <laughs> not your guy. You're not my guy, buddy. <laughs> not my buddy, pal. So I'm a lot of that. people probably already know where I'm going with this, but I actually think nobody knows where you're going with this. Oh no, 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 no! I think they will. As if I just, as I'm gonna give it a little bit of a flavor, real quick. Okay. So the idea that George Lucas had behind the Star Wars prequel Prequels. trilogy. Yeah 
was that he wanted it to be poetic and kind of rhyme with the rest of the original trilogy. And I, it's complete bullshit. It did not work. At and all. I'll go ahead and just say, if you want more explanation as to why, just go watch Red Letter Media's Mr. Plinkett review of Star Wars Episode One. It is the amazing, it is the ultimate movie watching 101 or movie making 101 guide. It's pretty offensive, but you'll learn everything you need to know about make about movies. I just want to, I'll advertise that every day. But so he wanted it to be kind of poetry. So he had a few different things like the whole, like, let's go with the end of Revenge of the Sith. So what you had was Darth Vader and Palpatine on the, was it a Star Destroyer at that point, I guess? Mm-hmm. It was a Confederate class ship. Sure. Or something. Yeah. And then it matched with Empire Strikes Back. Number, number one. I think it was the Enterprise. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> it was the Normandy. <laughs> so. Wish. Number one. <laughs> That's in that's rhyming the third movie of the prequel trilogy with the second movie of the original trilogy. That's dumb in the first place. That's like you're doing haiku shit or something. It's definitely not Shakespeare in there. And he said Shakespearean at some point. But, you know, you have all these recurring things. And he said that one of the things he liked was that Yoda was a big deal because he is not what he appears to be. That's how the Empire Strikes Back works, is that Yoda seemed to be this, like, bumbling little, you know like borderline Ewok meets C-3PO type of deal until he ends up being the wisest Jedi master that had ever lived or pretty comparable to that. I thought he was a gremlin. There you go. Once again, he's just it's like... true that's because he, he lives in a swamp so he's constantly wet after midnight. Yeah, he's spiked with male pattern baldness. So that's the idea is that he ends up being this awesome Jedi. And George Lucas wanted this to rhyme, but he wanted this to be darker. So the theory is that there was a character that was... Eventually, his story was changed halfway through episode one because George Lucas more or less pussed out on it. That was going to be that there is more than meets the eye. And he needed another bumbling character that ended up being something more. But this time it was going to be darker, like going to be instead of the wise Jedi master is going to be the wise Sith master. And what bumbling characters did we have in episode one? C-3PO was there. Was it Anakin? Anakin was just a little kid who had no control over anything that happened in the plot. Um, but it's because of him that I learned that Natalie Portman is nice, not like coarse like sand. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Qui-Gon Jinn, let's see. No, he was more of just, um, I guess, a talk you to sleep video type of deal. He was just stoic and dumb. He, he also was very manipulative, too. Like, use the, you know, the whole uh, the mind control thing. You know, let's jump into it. It was Jar Jar. Jar Jar is supposedly a wise Sith master, and that was going to be the setup for Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens. And it should have been. Yeah, I would have loved it. Did you like Episode Seven? I did. Okay. Everybody liked Episode Seven. It's my favorite, personally, of all of them. Same here. Same I mean, here. it has its things. It totally is just, you know, a new hope done over again. Yeah. And I'm fine with that. Yeah, it's, it was still really good. But... Jar Jar supposedly is this bumbling character, but he kind of gives himself away too much. We'll go with a few different things. Like, for instance, he is ridiculously lucky. He can do these crazy jumps that most of the Jedi can't do or even or is on par with them, at least, that's displayed in the movies. Like him jumping into the water, him jumping up a ledge, stuff like that. Are you saying that Jar Jar can double jump makes him a Sith Lord? Uh, it goes more than that. They also believe he's a skilled martial arts master. I guess Terrace Kazi in this one or Drunken 
Duncan Terakasi because in the battle between the Gungans and the Trade Federation, Jar Jar did all these crazy moves where he was able to make other droids shoot each other, like just but make them, it look goofy. Use them against each other. He was doing like a Spike Spiegel thing from Cowboy Bebop. He uh, was just using the enemies against themselves. I don't know how I feel about that. You just compared Jar Jar to Spike, and oh. I just I don't. I don't know. I don't like it. I'm take glad it, I hit back, a chord. I'm glad I hit a chord. No, I'm not taking it back. It's staying just there. Just throws the mic down. But <laughs> more importantly, Jar Jar is there for all the big events that happen in there. He's usually walking on the side, and you see him do like either these little mouth motions or waving his hand. There's a whole video on this, waving his hand, where he's actually doing the manipulation that a Jedi would do for like a mind trick. And supposedly, Jar Jar is the reason why all of these bad things happen. He's the real Sith Lord behind everything. Um, he actually got himself a position in the Senate, just like Palpatine. True. He voted for Palpatine in, I think, the second one? It was, yeah, yeah. It was a vote of no confidence, I think, something like that. He, actually, no, he convinced Amidala to vote of no confidence. It doesn't matter. It's stupid George Lucas politics writing. Yeah. It doesn't matter. He was there for he all these He was the deciding big, factor. For all these events. And then he just goes missing during the original trilogy. You know, I'm not complaining. I don't want them to make another special special edition where they just, you know, put him in there. I don't want to give him any ideas. But the idea is that it turns out that Jar Jar Binks is actually uh, Snoke from Episode 7. Now we know that he is not. But do at the same we? rate. Yeah, there might be somebody beyond Snoke. Jar Jar might still be the Dark Lord. No, I'm Lord. just saying, do we know that that was not just a hologram of Snoke? No, that might be true. That's also as well. They never it was show just actual a projection. Snow. Yeah. You know how they solve all this? By having another Star Wars Christmas special. Yeah, that's true. But how, how do y'all like it? How do you like the Darth Jar Jar theory? I would love it just because of all the salt that would pour out of the internet. Like, <laughs> we would all just get high blood pressure from all of the salt from everyone complaining all these flavors that would be a hoodwinking shows salty. <laughs> that would be a hoodwinking because you know it's so good though the empire strikes back you get a little bit of bumbling yoda and you're just like why is this dude here why do we care about him and then they reveal it this one Pulls it would have been out of the water it would have been like they pull jar jar out for three movies and they're just like why the is he con. here and then afterwards yep. they reveal it. But the supposed thing is that Jar Jar was supposed to be the bad guy towards the end or be revealed at least in Attack of the Clones. And George Lucas was like, no, I don't want to be a movie-making rebel like I was in the original trilogy. Well, so I guess with me, like, I think the theory is fun. And I think that there's some weird coincidences with it. But I don't really put true? much more <laughs> I don't put much more faith into it than that. Personally. But I'm also not, you know... Um, it's fine. The force is not strong in this one. Yeah, I guess that's... I, we'll go with that. That's the problem. How do you feel, Matt? Um, I think it would be hilarious. Uh, <laughs> and I desperately want it to be the case because I can just picture all of the fun I would have watching everyone react to that. And he influenced Anakin, too. And, like, he was there who, just, all right, like, First of all, who didn't influence Anakin? I'm guy had sure. no strength of mind. Yeah, that's true. Even as Darth Vader, he ended up being influenced by the people around him. There was a picture I saw that was like, uh, <laughs> it just had a, the caption. It was like, <laughs> I wish I had listened to virtually anybody. <laughs> so, but but the other thing is that like, I, I feel like in the third movie, in Revenge of the Sith, when they're showing like Amidala's body getting like paraded down the street for some, that's really weird for the record. They're getting paraded down the street. I feel like he was slightly smirking after. Like You can just see him smirk for a little bit when he turns his head. All right, so let, let me ask you two a question. Or you three. Sorry, Greg, I forget you're here. Um, so does everyone. <laughs> 
what would so what would be a bigger reveal than if that if that were the case and and George Lucas would have went in Revenge of the Sith and revealed that you know Jar Jar was a Sith Lord? What would have been more monumental to the series, Darth Vader being Luke Skywalker's father or that? It still would have been Darth Vader being yeah. Luke Skywalker's father because you wouldn't. It, it wasn't going to be pre-saddled with a bunch of bull that no one cared and about. They, kept, they put it in front of you the entire time. Yeah, I, I mean, he killed your father. Yeah, like like the thing is like it's so right there. It's just a thin screen. It wasn't you exactly right out. there. Though. No, you couldn't have figured it out. No, but when you find out, it's a classic. Like with the, what are the best mystery movies with the twist? Is that everyone said it in front of you? And you couldn't have put it together, but you feel like you could have. Until you, go, you see how it. did I miss it? Even though it's very odd, like how could you forget it? Out? The classic example is Bioshock. Yes, and there's no breadcrumb trail. I, I, I like those mysteries where it's not a cheap reveal. That's another good one. That's a good what? one. Six cents. It's another yeah, one where you like. Yeah, it's a great example. Yeah. I like those where it's not a cheap reveal, but at the same time, they're not like you know giving that little breadcrumb trail where it's just like if you pick it up enough you can be like oh yeah versus jar jar there's like that was no nice. one treats him as something significant so it doesn't like have quite the compelling angle yeah but i guess that wraps that up i mean i love the theory i like everything we talked about today this it's is really fun read. it's like a half hour to read this guy did it, the guy proposed the, the video is great is yeah the, the video, video after the research the original thing was just page after page with stills and the entire this I guy know, went to such insane what's length amazing the is fantastic. exactly the video just puts it all in this really entertaining digestible manner yeah and my favorite fan theories are the ones where people have created these videos to walk you along yeah and dissect and like dissect it step by step with you because there's always something about having them say the uh the point and then immediately having it followed up with the example that right. proves it yeah, it's easier to follow. It's as if this guy like did the like nine eleven truther level research yes. and putting together stuff and like stretches and everything, but applied to Jar Jar. And are I you, I'm, I'm applauding him for are, that one. Are you saying Jar Jar can't melt steel beams? You know he probably can. He might be the strongest. <laughs> He's an ever. Alderaan truther. <laughs> Alderaan was an inside job. Well, it was. Well, yeah, it He's totally for was. Love in Oh Jesus! Well, I, I guess uh, <laughs> I guess that about wraps all of this up. We don't want to keep you guys for too long, but this was great. We, you know, we all had a, you know a really good time with this. This is something like we said we don't normally get to do a lot. I mean, this is vastly different than you know the normal rumor flies, you know, stuff that you normally get. But it, this is fun. We we really enjoy doing this, and you know, this is probably gonna be the last little bit of supplemental material you get before the new season kicks off. But we think that you guys will really enjoy it. Just you know, to hold you over to you know you get the you know next season kicked off. And also one last little thing if you have not heard it yet we were on blurry photos not too long ago so go check that out if you would too yeah we were on an episode of bullstone with them it's kind of their news segment and they were kind enough to have us on and we made fools of ourselves and let them do the real job girl fools of ourselves yeah we did but it was fun we we enjoyed it (laughs) so uh i guess we'll uh well Well, one last thing Uh, please um tell us so where can they find nolan nerdcast yeah well this might come as a shock but you can find us at Nola Nerdcast on Twitter at Nola Nerdcast, Facebook.com slash Nola Nerdcast, YouTube.com slash Nola Nerdcast, uh, Instagram at Nola Nerdcast, www.nolanerdcast.com. <laughs> no, I don't, know if, way. I don't know if you're catching a trend here, but no, like YouTube's where we put, uh, we just recently started doing uh, live streams of our podcast every week. Oh, awesome. So now we have the audio, but it also has, there's a video component now that we upload to YouTube and we stream it through Twitch. 
So we can also comments. Twitch your games sometimes too. We if also Twitch stream our games exactly. All, Wait, uh, yeah, we can't do it. We get banned for nudity. Is your yeah, is your Twitch stream at Nolan Nerdcast? It sure God, is. I nailed it. I know. No, nailed you see, it. we but, got uh, rumorfliespodcast.com. We have rumorflies for everything except for the actual website. Yeah, yeah that's okay. Greg blew that one. Thanks a lot, Obama. It's fine. No, but I mean, so like every week we do a podcast where we talk about the com- the, the weekly news of comics, games, movies, all that fun stuff. And then we'll randomly do little higher production value like videos about random things. Like we just did a uh, best of E3 show where we do our top 10 games show and we do movie reviews and we, all that fun stuff. So we're all over the place. YouTube's where to go to get the supplemental material. iTunes or nolanerdcast.com is where to find the audio. So we are there. Follow us on the Twitters. Check them out. Yeah, be, do it. Be sure to go check them out. If you know, if you really like this, I mean, there's plenty more where that came from with uh, Nolan Nerdcast. So. Even if you don't like it, you should follow us anyway. <laughs> I mean, what, what what do you have to do? It's a nerd show with a little bit more gumbo filet in it. So exactly. exactly. Yeah. Oh yeah, I did that. So uh, I guess with all that being said, I'm Josh. I'm Ryan. I'm Matt. And I'm Greg. We'll oh, see. you just ganked Greg's spot right there. <laughs> I, I was, was, was like, I saw his eye. He was like ready to pounce. <laughs> we'll see you next time, guys. Bye. 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 Hey, everybody. Just wanted to give a quick shout out to one of our Dark Myths podcast members, which is the Eastern Border. And I'm actually here with the host of the Eastern Border right now, Christoph Andreson. Is how you say it? Approximately. Just, just call me Chris, okay? okay? Simpler that way. Okay, we'll go with Chris. Anyway, so Chris, tell them what you're about since I'm bad at that kind of stuff. Oh, um, <laughs> it's kind of interesting. What am I not about? Um, I'm about the history of the Soviet Union and the Eastern border in general. Eastern bloc countries uh, telling the stories of the people who actually lived here. I was born in the USSR. My parents lived here all the time and I just spent some time during my journalism job and my studies just gathering the stories and just taking a look at how it really was, the other side of the Cold War, our perspective of things. And it goes up to modern-day Russia and touches some kind of interesting and creepy subjects as well sometimes. But yeah, Soviet your, most recent ep- <laughs> your most recent episode uh, got a little bit of uh, backlash, huh? Uh, yeah, I got blacklisted from Russia, and they're monitoring me online. Well, that is, that's actually really badass, not going to lie. But um, I listened to it, and it was, it was awesome. I loved it. But I suggest it to anybody else. And uh, yeah, just wanted to throw this in there. Uh, give Kristaps some love over on uh, easternborder.lv. And I actually, the easternborder.lv. And I actually live in Latvia, so not not one of you capitalists. Now, please, please, uh, Ryan, guide me to the place where I can power this totally not fluoride bottle in your water system. <laughs> yeah, when you no, come no, over no. here, we'll go and st- we'll do that. I can totally fake, fake a terrible Russian, Russian accent. But yeah, otherwise, otherwise I'm just um, a crazy Latvian with a sharpened shell trying to tell people how it actually was in the Soviet Union. And apparently so people like, like that. And apparently people kind of like that. I, I don't know why. I like it. <laughs> anyway, thanks for listening, guys. Спасибо, товарищи.